Welcome to the Actively Fueled podcast. I am your host, Brooke Sarnecki, and I am just so excited that you are here with me and joining me for all of these super powerful conversations that we are going to have on the podcast. So if you don't know who I am already, I am a registered dietitian. I am a specialist in sports nutrition and also disordered eating and eating disorders. So a lot of my practice is all about helping individuals not only optimize their nutrition for performance in their sport, I work with a ton of athletes, mostly endurance athletes, lots of runners. I also help these individuals improve their relationship with food. And I, again, I'm just so excited to have you here have these conversations and really just start a movement in the athletic community that is more about taking care of ourselves rather than this hustle culture and this burnout culture. So without further ado, let's get started on the pod. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Actively Fueled podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Neil Pallas, and I do not want to butcher his title, so I will just let him take it away. Neil, how are you? Thank, Welcome to the thank, podcast. Thank Introduce you, yourself to us. <laughs> thank, thank you for inviting me. I am a licensed psychotherapist based in Colorado. Um, I also have an additional title as a mental performance coach or consultant. Um, I have a second graduate uh, of dual degrees in social work and also applied sports psychology. And so I do two separate things. I, I work uh, in athlete mental health. Um, you know, treating people with depression and anxiety, um, some trauma, and then I also help people get ready for their activities, help them deal with performance issues, you know, and, and very specifically for their sport and coaching. And I work with people here in Colorado. Um, yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here with us today and sharing your expertise. I wanted to talk about a pretty specific topic today, and that is performance anxiety. So give us the lowdown on performance anxiety. Like, what is it? How do you know if you have it? Let's just dive right in. How do you know if you have it? Well, if you get anxious about a performance, (laughs) if you feel nervous about a performance, you have some performance anxiety, you know, but you know, here's the thing that I'm going to just say to everyone is that it's absolutely normal that, you know, it's absolutely normal to have. Now, there's some types of anxiety that can be paralyzing, you know, and some types of anxiety can be a little helpful. We all experience some level of performance anxiety. I'll experience before I go on a podcast. Oh, you know, I'm going to be talking about this stuff, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm going on a race, doing a race in a couple of weeks. I'm, you know, I'm going to experience some performance anxiety. Sometimes I'm going to experience it physio- physiologically, you know, maybe my breathing's a little hard, you know, faster, my heart rate's a little faster, my stomach's churning a little bit. Uh, maybe I notice it in my back. Um, Sometimes I might experience it cognitively. So I might be talking to myself really negatively. You know, I don't know if I got this. You know, I don't don't know what I'm talking about. You know, and or or a combination of all those things. So really, it's, you know, it's normal for everyone at any level. Even the the most professional athletes will tell you they experience some anxiety. It's what they do with it and how they, you know, I would say react to it is whether or not it's going to be helpful or not. And um, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I mean, and really, you know, I mean, a, a good way to describe it, another way to describe it is, is kind of like an appraisal of a situation, right? I'm going into this situation and do I have the tools to, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically to address this situation? And if, and if, I, if I'm feeling that that's way off, that's where that anxiety is going to come from. It's going to start creeping up somewhere. Um, or you might just go into a race and go, God, my stomach's churning. What's this all about? You know, and then we interpret it as anxiety. But really, you know, we're excited about a race. It could be a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, I have a, I have a quick follow-up question to that. So how do, how do you know if performance anxiety is impacting your ability to, you know, perform the way that you want to? Yeah, I the way I would describe it is if you notice that you are hooked on it. So, and what I mean by that, it's kind of like a fish hook. Okay, is if we, if I get going into a race and I'm thinking about, you know, oh, you know, I don't belong here, and I'm thinking about that as the race gets going, and I'm not doing my job of running or focusing on the process of the race, and I'm hooked, I'm getting pushed around it, maybe I do something that, um, you know, try to compensate for it, so I go out too fast, like, ah, you know, and I get, you know, the gun goes off, and I just go out, and I'll get 100 miles to go, and I've just, you know, just spent everything, or I go out too slow, you know, and I react to it, so if I react to it, um, because I'm hooked on all those thoughts and those feelings. That's how it's affecting your performance. That's how it's affecting it. Now, I, I truly believe you could have anxiety and not react to it and come back to where you are right here, right now, and do what you need to do. Do your job. Your stomach's going to be churning no matter what. Okay, <laughs> how are you going to react to that? Super Bowl. Super Bowl is a great example. There's not an athlete that doesn't go into the Super Bowl all excited about it right you know you know ah, you know and they're, and they're nervous about it and if they're not they're lying to you <laughs> you know you know it's how they deal with that and respond to those feelings okay so the response like it's normal to have what i'm hearing it's normal to have anxiety anxiety is a normal a normal feeling in athletes it's the way that we respond to it now are there levels where some athletes may feel that anxiety more or like, again, is it more about the response? Yeah. So it, a lot of it depends on the the attachment to the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so if, you know, so if I am like, I'm going into a marathon, for example, and I am trying to qualify for Boston and I've been trying to qualify for 10 years and this is the race and I have to qualify for Boston, right? And it is now 90 degrees outside. <laughs> and yeah, you know, unless I've trained in 90 degrees and know that I can run my marathon pace in 90 degrees, then I might be a little anxious about this. But how do I respond to it? Okay. Maybe this isn't the race for you know right now. You know, maybe I'm just gonna do not focusing on the outcome, but focusing on the process and taking care of myself. A, a great example, I had a, a 
a race I did last year, 100 miler, that um, weather reports, you know, this is 90 degrees at the start. It's going to be 90 degrees each day of this race. And I've never really run 100 miles in 90 degree heat. I was like, you know That's what? Insane. Okay, there's not much I could do with that other than do everything I can to take care of myself. You know, I might not get a sub 30 hours or sub 25 hours or 24 hours, but I, I should be able to finish this if I'm taking care of myself. And so focusing not on the outcome, I didn't care what place I came in. Uh, I focused on the process and focused on what I needed to do to keep cool and take care of myself. I finished the race and it was 90 degrees at the finish. <laughs> you know, it was 90 degrees at the start, 90 degrees at the finish. And, and at the top of this uh, mountain you climb up, it was muddy and slick. And I came down with all sorts of slips. I slipped and fell. You know, you just go. <laughs> um, but so it's going to come from fear of failing, uh, fear of what others think about me, fear of embarrassment. You know, uh, you know, what are they thinking about me? You know, this desire to be perfect, uh-huh. you know, you know, where this is an attachment that I, it has to be perfect, right? My race has to be perfect. And a lot of people go into these, go into races with that thought. And that's, you might feel anxious <laughs> going into yeah. your race. You know, you might feel really anxious. And also another thing to keep in mind is it's a reaction to the excitement. Races are exciting. You know, I, I raced, uh, the, I, I've done the Leadville 100 a bunch of times, and they get you pumped up for that race. You know, this is one of these big 100 milers, you know, you're going to finish it. You know, this, this guy gets out there, you're, you got to do this with grit, guts, and determination. It's like a preacher, at, you know, and with hundreds of people going, yes, sir, we're going to do this. And everyone's all pumped up, and the gun goes off, and they're, you know, and they're feeling this anxiety. And feel the stuff in there, and they can interpret it as anxiety or they can interpret it as an excitement. You know, what, 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 how are you going to look at that picture? So, yeah. yeah. Fascinating. And I, I want to tie it. Well, maybe it doesn't tie into this concept, but in my, I ran in college. People have been listening, people have been listening to this podcast know this. I have a lot of obviously teammates that I still keep in touch with. And we, collectively as a group, some of us really do struggle a lot with this performance anxiety piece. And because we've had such a strong tie to the outcome in college for so long, and it's been really hard to separate that collegiate competitiveness in like the recreational world of running. And what we have found is that the less focused we are on like getting our training perfect or being perfect with, you know, every little thing about our training block, the better our race is. And I see this with a lot of athletes too, where they're like, I didn't even really train for that race, but I PR'd like I had the best race in my life. Like, why does that happen? Where does that come from? Yeah. Where does that happen? Cause you're not, you're not attached to the outcome. You're not getting <laughs> hooked by all those unhelpful thoughts and feelings you're not getting pushed around by it um that i have to be this way uh-huh. and you're going back to the essentials of running of having fun right this is fun this is why i did this you know um i got a you know quick story to you know bring up with this so um yeah i have I have a, a a daughter who's entering high school 
And on her own fruition, she said, I'm going to do cross country. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is interesting because this is not like for her to do this. And so I was like, okay. And she, she started this two weeks ago on her own goes, you know, and there's all upperclassmen. There's no freshmen there, you know, and she runs and she gets dropped. Next day she comes back again. You know, why did she come back? Because it's fun. She was having fun. She wasn't trying to compete with anybody. She wasn't, she's not racing yet. She's just having fun with the, this group, you know, and, they, and then you now she found other people that she could have fun with. And then he dove into a lake and it's just like, yeah, there, there's this fun that we forget when we get this performance pressure, you know, when we, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we and you see that sometimes with people who've moved up to higher levels like collegiate, you know, they go from high school to collegiate. And now there's a higher level pressure. Um, or parents who might be overly involved, mm-hmm. you know, where there's this, you know, or there's a perception of the parents. Sometimes sure. the parents aren't involved at all, and there's a perception of that. Uh-huh. And when there's a perception, um, there's this pressure. And it's like, go back to the process, go back to why you got into this and where did that come? You know, what's this is all about? You know, I, you know, I was out there doing the Leadville Marathon this weekend and it's snowing sideways and upside. I mean, the snow was coming down, it's 30 degrees and I'm 12,000 feet and I'm sucking out of, out of a straw, you know, <laughs> breathing out of a straw. And I was like, you know what? I am not going to get any age group times here, you know? And this is my, usually my first time at 12,000 feet for the year. I'm usually struggling a little bit. Yeah. It's like, go back to having, you know, fun. You smile, laugh, you know, singing, you know, I knew that I could finish this race and, you know, it's like, all right, let's just go and have fun with this. And I did, you know, but it's so hard to do. But the, the most important piece, I'm gonna, you know, I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit. The most important piece is that self-awareness. Once you're aware of that you're hooked on this, it is how you get unhooked from it. And you just demonstrated that you just, you know, described that. It's like, wait, you know. We're going back to this, you know, we're going to have fun with this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do, it's, it's absolutely insane to me how just how the brain works and how our bodies remember things, right? Like we can okay. tell ourselves so many times, I'm not going to get anxious about this race. I'm going to do it for fun. And yeah. then like, it's almost like muscle memory kicks in, in the brain or something. And yes. like, it still happens. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's and that's where you know and I, I just did a, tr- um, a six week training on this for for a group of athletes um, for uh, and I did a training called um, uh, mental mental skills for ultra runners and we kind of designed it over six weeks that so by the you know the end you know and we're not really at the end we're going to meet again in a couple of weeks is what I want people to do is practice these skills you could get a worksheet you get a book. Yeah, it's all great. But if you're not, inter- you know, actually doing this very specifically for yourself and learning things for yourself and working over a period of time and practicing this, you ain't going to get it, you know? Yeah. And and that's because our minds, we are so accustomed, you know, boom, boom, this is, you know, and our minds work that way. And that's totally normal. It's totally normal for us to be anxious at a race. Now, how do I respond to that? Yeah, how do I? All right, 
you know, how do I want that day to look? What are my, you know, I, you know, you can say performance standards, but what is my process going to look like? What are the things that I can control? You know, you want to go, you want to be able to shift your mindset. First of all, unhook from that stuff that's pushing you. Recognize when you're, so catch it. Catch when you're hooked on it. Ah, yep, there's my mind. Thank you, mind. It's doing its job. You know, I, and then moving towards refocusing by taking even a slow, you know, a deep breath or, you know, or focusing on maybe something like the footsteps around you or the sounds around you, you know, the footsteps uh, of, of the other runners around you, refocusing on that, refocusing on what you see in front of you. You know, I could, you know, while I was running, I could focus on the snowy mountains, <laughs> you know? Re refocus on that. And then I could shift my focus again onto what can I control here? Well, I can control my effort. I can, you know, control my pace. I can, oh, I could, oh, I could take that gel. You know, I could, I, I could drink that water. You know, I could take care of myself here. And that, those are the things I control. And we have a lot more power over that than all that stuff that's pushing us around. I like using a metaphor um, of like a school bus. So you're the bus driver. So, uh, you know, I, you know, and all those thoughts, all those emotions, all those sensations are getting onto the bus. And these are the monsters. This, if you get on a bus and, you know, there, there are people arguing with the bus driver and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not you know, where you're at right now. But, you know, <laughs> you know some in, big, in big cities, sometimes you can run into that where people are arguing with the bus driver. You need to go here. Or kids are acting obnoxious if it's a school bus. And those are all the thoughts. Those thoughts are going to be there no matter what. You've got to drive the bus, be the bus driver, go to your destination, you know, and so acknowledge them, you know, take their money. All right. Thank you. You know, thank them for, you know, being a passenger and, and continue driving because no one's going to get out of that seat right now and push you around. Uh -huh. I like Does that it. make sense? Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate the piece of acknowledging the thought because, and I, I talk about this a lot with, uh, my clients, yeah. this is where the, the dietitian world and the, you know, the therapy world kind of like connect and the For psychology sure. world connect. Um, you have to acknowledge that they're there and why, like, why is it so important that we acknowledge and not just like try to forget or, you know, push it out of our mind. So it's kind of like a, a beach ball in a pool, right? When you push that thought down, you know, push the beach ball down in the pool, it's going to pop back up, mm -hmm. okay? The more power you give to pushing it, it's going to come back up. Um, and now, you know, and there's other, there's other cognitive techniques that you can. And, you know, if you know what those thoughts are in advance, you can try to kind of... Um, a solution to those thoughts like an anti an anti-thought you know if you will just like okay what is that you know if i if i you know you know saying that i really suck at this you know well there's a lot of evidence that i do you know <laughs> you know there's a lot of evidence you know and i could tell myself that but our brains have this way of not believing these times and this is where when we are able to identify the thought and name it and even give it like a story you know, what, you know, what's, what's, oh, you know, there's the monsters again on the bus, you know, sometimes I'll tell my clients, you know, do, do you have a favorite um, cartoon character? You know, yeah. Brooke, do you have a favorite cartoon character? Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm not good. I'm not good at these questions. Okay. Oh no. Okay. So, 
So Homer Simpson, you know, oh, uh-huh. you know, if you even if you know who Homer Simpson is, yes, um, you know, is <laughs> is putting Homer Simpson to one of those negative thoughts, and then you've got this visual of the thought as Homer Simpson. Uh-huh. So what you're doing is you are giving it less power. You're diffusing from it a little bit. You are, you're also being open and accepting of it by normalizing this thought. Yeah, I'm anxious. You know, every, you know a lot of people, the best athletes in the world have negative self-talk. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they, you know, okay, yeah. They're, they're going to say things about themselves. Oh, I suck. You know, okay. Yeah. But, okay, thank you. Thank you, mind. And now how do I refocus? Let's mm-hmm. come back to what are the things that I can control. Now, I'm not pushing it away. I'm accepting it. I'm noticing it. I'm naming it. I'm giving it less power. So it's not pushing me around. It might pop back up later. It always mm-hmm. does. For me, it's like, ah, oh, you're getting old. You're getting old. Yeah, thank you, mind. Yeah. Let's keep going. Let's do what I can do. Yeah, maybe it's let's show them you're not getting old. Yeah, you know, yeah. Let's, go, let's go a little faster here. You know, and you know you're able to go faster. Let's go. But, you know, yeah, it hurts a little bit, but everyone's hurting right now. Um. So yeah, it's so it's it's a different school of thought called psychological flexibility. You know, where you know, kind of an older uh, cognitive, you know, older technique would be, um, you know, and, and, and still used all the time, you know, and I'll use it is more of a cognitive behavioral technique where we're kind of, you know, coming up with a different solution for that thought. What is the the anti-thought, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where it's like, well, wait a second, you know, what's more helpful for me to say to myself? And, you know, knowing what I know is that our brains sometimes, sometimes they'll work that way. And sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not. And sometimes yeah. it just keeps popping up. Like if you were to think of your favorite ice cream right now, I'll ask everyone listening to this, think of your favorite ice cream. You know, think, you know, maybe it's, you know, like I had um, a chocolate chip cookie dough on a waffle cone last night. Yeah. I'll try and push that out of your mind for a second. You know, <laughs> that's kind of hard. Yeah. You know, you know, it's kind of hard to do that. But what you can do is just notice it, name it. Okay, now I can refocus by taking a deep breath. And come back to where I'm at right now. You know, a slow deep breath, you know, or I could focus on what's around me, you know, what's what's in my room, what's what what's around me when I'm running, you know, what, what are the sounds I hear? And I could become pretty present to where I am at right now. Then I got this opportunity and space to take control of stuff. I'm like, you know what? I could take that gel. I could, you know, I could move, I could, I could use my favorite mantra, you know, some of that positive self-talk. Yeah, because that's helpful too. You know, don't get me wrong, that's really helpful. And you know, because there's a lot of research that says it's really helpful. So, but it's knowing when to use it and getting out of that cycle of all that negative, unhelpful stuff that's pushing you around. Totally, totally. So what I'm hearing is that overcoming performance anxiety, race anxiety, however you want to call it, it takes practice. It almost takes like a rewiring of your brain. Um, and so I, I mean, what are your, what are your top tips? We've covered so many, but what are your favorite tips for athletes to help them begin this process or start this journey of overcoming their performance anxiety? Yeah. So first of all, um, 
awareness. Self-awareness is key. So how do you do that? So after you run, go to your training. Everyone should, you know, if you're running, you know, hopefully you're documenting what you've done. If you're not, it's really helpful to document this piece. Is what were you thinking before the run? What was your mind telling you? Maybe not thinking. What were you feeling? What were you feeling? What was your mind telling you during the run? What was your mind telling you after the run? And you start noticing, you know, and keep a record of that. What is the pattern? Maybe it was nothing, you know, like I went on my run and man, it's hot, okay. You know, and that was it. You know, I wasn't thinking, I just did. And, but sometimes, you know, people, you know, there's a workout, you know, I'll give, athletes um, and another thing they do another hat i wear is i is i'm also an ultra running coach for a, a major uh organization called carmichael training systems um so that's you know where people could find me on that level uh but so i'll give an athlete like you know five mile tempo run or you know or um a two by 20 minute steady state run and they might be anxious about that you know it's like what is your mind telling you? what are you worried about you know, I might not get the time. I had an athlete um, who I had is training for a marathon, and we had a discussion last night. We had a five mile tempo run today, or five mile marathon pace run, and I suspected her marathon pace is a lot faster than she thought it was, and it was. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and I said, "Well, you know what? Here's what I want you to do: is I want you to just test yourself and don't think about the outcome." If you slow down, you slow down. We know it's actually slower. And if you don't slow down, you feel really good at the end. Then we know that you're probably getting into that zone, right? Mm-hmm. And she went out and did that run. And lo and behold, she was able to hold that marathon pace that was way faster than she thought she could run. And so that self-awareness is key. Write it down. So you're you, then you start being able to catch it. So when you are getting hooked by the, these negative or unhelpful self-talk, or you're getting hooked by these feelings, sometimes it's not even self-talk. Sometimes it's just a feeling or it's an image. So you're, you know, oh, you know, I imagine myself, you know, failing or whatever. Catching yourself. Take a moment to center yourself or anchor yourself or ground yourself. Take a deep breath. If you're running, it's kind of hard to take a deep breath. Okay, then just focus on the sound around you. You could you could still hear, you could hear your breathing. Don't make a judgment about your breathing. You hear you hear the sounds of other footsteps or your own footsteps, or you could hear the wind. Today I'm out running, I hear thunder, you know, I could hear you, you hear that stuff. Notice the sensations on your body. Is it warm? Is it cold? All of a sudden, you start coming out of that headspace and into the world around you. Okay, so you've catched it. Now you're going to start addressing it and refocusing on what you can control. What could I do right now? Oh yeah, I got to grab. I got to sip my water. I, I need to move. You know, I could. I could move. You know, you know, if I'm running out of a perceived exertion of one through ten, I'm supposed to be at seven. I could do a little faster here. This is this is a six. Let me go a little faster here. You know, and now you're controlling some of these things. So catch and address and refocusing on those things that you can control. Okay, maybe it's, you know, pouring water on myself, taking a sip of water, whatever that is. Maybe it's using my mantra, which, you know, I will tell people always, if you have a mantra or some helpful self-talk, practice that not 
on race day. I practiced that six months in advance. And so you know what you're going to use. Is it helpful or not? Um, you could practice with these things, you know, and write it down. You know, I had my athletes on my uh, six-week program. What they did is, you know, they would write their helpful self-talk down. And did it work for them? If it didn't work, great. You know, throw that out. If it did work, save it. Let's let's practice with that. Now let's write it down where I'm going to remember it on my water bottle. You know, you know, I was running with uh, somebody the other day and he had it on his gels, you know, and good idea. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I'll put it on my hat or, you know, I I put, um, uh, you know, resilient or, you know, I got it written down here, uh, you know, tenacious, you know, it was, was, you know, one of my favorite ones, just be be tenacious, you know, and that was my mantra. It's like, okay, let's be tenacious. Let's go back to that. But you have to catch it first. Catch uh-huh. when you're hooked on it. Address it by, you know, taking that deep breath. Come back outside of yourself. Refocus. Now, you can also practice mindfulness. You know, you don't have to go, you know, to a, a, a Zen retreat for six months or something. Like that. <laughs> you, you know, you could you can do two minutes. You know, they say, you know, a minimal dose is sometimes great at six minutes. And, you know, in 15, 12 to 50, 12, 12 minutes is almost, is really ideal. I don't know where they got that number, but, you know, they did some, you know, some research on researchers did experiments on this. There's actually brain changes. There's changes in the brain um, that support this to go, wait a second. Now I'm able to be more attentive. You know, I'm not getting pushed around. We know you're not getting pushed around by these thoughts. You're being non-judgmental to them. And then you're able to refocus. So if you develop a mindfulness practice, that could be helpful, but it doesn't have to be this big deal. You know, you could just do what we just did by taking a deep breath, refocusing on the things around you, something that you could see, something you could hear, something you could smell, you know, maybe something that you could touch. And you're coming back to where you are right here, right now. I love that. It's not, you're not letting yourself get into the spiral. The doom spiral is what I like to call it. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah. Well, you're unhooking, you, you know, yeah. you, or, you know, and again, just like that analogy of, you know, the beach ball popping back up or the ice cream that you can't forget mm-hmm. you're anchoring, you know, you're, you're, you're grounding yourself, you're dropping anchor. You are getting more present with what's going on around you instead of what's inside of you and yeah those thoughts may come back and that's okay and that's normal you know that's one thing about mindfulness is that people are like oh i can't get rid of the thoughts you're not supposed to (laughs) (laughs) you're just supposed to notice them just like clouds passing by or you know if you're looking at a highway looking at watching the cars go by and not stepping out into the middle of the highway we're just watching them go by that's all you're doing you know it's like all right that's okay the the cars are going to be there yeah i think that's that's so helpful for a lot of people to hear of like you're not going to get rid of the thoughts it's again about the response going way back to the beginning of the conversation of how you're responding to them Um, and and also the judgment piece you mentioned that as well and how we are so quick to judge our thoughts or feel shame or guilty about them. And, and that, I mean, that makes things worse. I'm assuming. (laughs) Well, it does, but you know, but it's also normal. 
Uh You know, know, that's the thing. And that's also, so that's where kind of that spiral happens. But noticing when we're doing that, if we could become aware when we're doing, oh yeah, I'm in that, you know, I'm getting, you know, I'm now I'm making judgments about my judgments, you know, and it's, (laughs) you know, and, you know, it's like, I'm making judgments because, you know, I, you know, on my perfectionism, I shouldn't be a perfectionist. (laughs) You know, so it's, it's recognizing when we're doing that. Thank you. You can thank your mind. You know, it's, you know, the, the other thing, you know, and, and to kind of go back to, you know, people are like, uh, why this isn't normal. Yeah, it is. Because you know what? We've evolved this way. If you, you know, some people don't believe in evolution and, you know, mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, but, you know, the way our brains have worked over time is to help guide us to safety. Yeah. Our brain guides us to safety no matter what that is and and sometimes to be safe it's being part of the team even though that team may not be a team that we want to be part of you know? 100% you, you know and so our brains are saying oh, i need to fit in i need to fit in here and so that's totally normal you know and or, or I need to, you know, I, and for, you know, and sometimes our brains are like, I need to, you know, da, 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 I need to be this way, or I've heard I have to be this way because someone else on the podcast said I need to be this way, <laughs> so whatever, you know, it's, that's how our brains work. Our brains tend to push us around and they were helpful at one time, you know, I kind of do the saber tooth tiger analogy. We're all in these caves and we get anxious for a reason, because there's a saber-toothed tiger outside. If I'm not with the team, I'm not going to be protected from the saber-toothed tiger. And if I'm not inside, I'm not going to be protected from the saber-toothed tiger. So I'm going to be nervous about the saber-toothed tiger for a reason. I have to be. It's survival. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what my brain is telling me to do. I have to eat. I have to sleep. I have to protect myself. And okay, that's normal to do. Now we're in these situations where we're running. And it's doing the same thing. And it doesn't need to do that. <laughs> yep. It doesn't yeah. need to do that. And we just, all we have to do is just go out and have fun. And that's hard to do. You know, and it's hard to remember. That's why we're here. And yeah, and yeah, and there's, and there's, and rightfully so, you know, for a lot of us, there's performance, you know, um, you know, maybe you are a sponsored athlete and, you know, if you are so, what happens there is if you get so focused on that sponsor, I'm going to lose this, you know, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, then what are you focused on? You're focused on, I'm going to lose this and I'm going to get anxious about that instead of, hey, what are those controllables now? What are those things? All right. And it's totally normal to be focused on that stuff because that's how we're wired. All right. Great. Now I got to refocus on what are those things I love about this? Well, how did I get into this sport? And what are the things I can control? Love it. I love that. It sounds so simple. It sounds simple, but you know what? (laughs) You know, I I had, you know, one, um, uh, I would say it's not, he's not on a podcast, but uh, he's a, uh, he's a running coach that, kind of ultimately inspired me to just go and do what I wanted to do. And he, you know, and he says, and he quotes this um, jazz musicians, simple ain't easy, you know, and it's simple, but it isn't easy. Uh And and that's why we practice it. 
you know, and that's, you know, as a mental performance consultant or coach, that's why I work with people, you know, that, you know, help them do that as a psychotherapist in the mental health realm, when it gets to a point where it's really affecting my daily life, then I'm, you know, I'm helping them in that realm. It's like, how do we practice that? You know, and, and, you know, yeah, it takes time. You know, and and then you know, and sometimes you go, oh yeah, you think you got it, and and, and me too. You know, I'm out there. I get pushed around by this stuff too. You know, yeah. it's not. It's a real. Yeah, you know, we're all human. Yes. You know, that's that's how we are. <laughs> we are all human. I think we need that reminder almost daily uh, when we get caught up in in our thoughts, caught up in the anxieties, and we think we're, you know we're the only ones that feel this yeah. way. We're not. We're absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of getting you know to this idea of self compassion. Mm-hmm. Right? There's three pieces of self-compassion. It's self-kindness, kindness to yourself, uh, common humanity, you know, of knowing that we're in it, you know, we're all in this together, right? Yep. You know, it was when I was you know running this Leadville marathon here a couple of days ago, I'm looking around, yep, we're all in this together. We are yep. all suffering right now. Yep. And the next, the next piece of self-compassion is mindfulness, is just coming back to that present moment. Then you got the opportunity for everything else. You know, it, it's all, you know, it's about acceptance and opening up to this discomfort um, and pain. It's an internal pain and sometimes it's physical pain too. Yep. This has been great, Neil. Like great tips, great conversation. What what are your big takeaways that you want our listeners to, to focus in on after listening to this episode today? Um, yeah, yeah, number one is, you know, is what we talked to, you just said right there a minute ago, this common humanity, like, eh, we're all experiencing this, you know? Yeah. It's some, sometimes it's different degrees and some different degrees push us, push us around sometimes less, you know, and you know, the next piece is that self-awareness piece, you know, take the time to note it. Once you start noticing, hey, how am I getting pushed around by this? Okay, name it. Where is it coming from? You know, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's kind of this idea of perfectionism. You know, okay, that's okay. You know, again, that's normal. But now take that moment and come back to the, you know, that present moment piece. A little bit of mindfulness can go a long way. You don't even call it mindfulness. I don't, you know, some people are like, no, don't call it mindfulness. You know, <laughs> I don't tell my athletes it's mindfulness. Yeah, it, it is what it is, right? <laughs> you know, it's coming back to the present moment, coming back to where you are right here, right now. And that is allowing yourself to have these thoughts and feelings and sensations non-judgmentally. And then you're going to be able to move, have a little more opportunity to move towards your aspirations your goals and your, your personal values, what are dri- which are the things that are driving your goals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, you can have outcome goals. Outcome goals are important. However, when they take control of you and push you around so much, come back to those process goals, come back to that. You know, who do you want to, st- what do you want to stand for as a runner? You know, when you're, you know, you're pushing yourself to the marathon, how do I want to hold myself today? You know, what do I want this day to look like? You know, if someone is observing me, if I'm taking a, um, I'm sorry for being a long winded here. If I am doing a documentary on you, the listener, you know, I'm coming around. 
what does it look like to everybody else that you're doing? That's, that's focus on that because you could do that, you know, you know, you can do that. No matter what's coming up inside, it's like, yeah, notice it, name it. Yeah, this sucks right now. But how am I going to hold myself in, in, in spite of that? Yeah, absolutely. So That's hopefully there's a little nuggets. Yeah. 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 No, I think for me, <laughs> for me, the biggest, I think the the biggest takeaway is just not getting attached to that outcome. And then also uh just again that awareness piece. So I appreciate your your expertise and sharing a little bit more with us about performance anxiety, kind of breaking it down, demystifying it, right. Normalizing it. Um, and so how can people find you if they are interested in maybe learning more about you or potentially working with you? What's the best way for people to find you? So if you're looking, if you're in Colorado and you're looking for either mental performance coaching or psychotherapy, um, and I distinguish what those are a little bit more on my website, but you know, if you, if, if basically if there's something going on, that's affecting your entire life, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of more psychotherapy. If it's more, Hey, this is just, I want to get better at my sport yeah. or I'm just dealing with a little performance anxiety. That's kind of mental performance coaching. If you're in Colorado, it's www.coloradopsychotherapyandsport.com. It's really long. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to figure out ways to shorten that. Uh, so it's Colorado Psychotherapy and Sport.com. And, uh, and I'm able to work with people in Colorado because I'm licensed here in Colorado. I haven't moved my coaching outside of Colorado yet. Um, okay. you know, but there's a chance that might happen. I will work with athletes who live in Colorado and are having to travel because that mm-hmm. happens, you know, with definitely professional athletes and sponsored athletes they are moving around a lot. So I might be doing that on the coaching side, psychotherapy. I'm right here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other place you could find me if you're looking just to be coached as an ultra runner or a marathoner is at uh, Carmichael training systems, which is a train ride. Oh boy. Trainwright.com, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, I put it in the show notes. I got I to gotta double check. I should know that by heart. Yeah, trainwright.com. Sorry yeah. about that. No, you're yeah, fine. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you, Brooke. This is, I, I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> it was a bit obvious. Yeah, um, no, I love it. I love bringing on people that are passionate about what they do. I mean, that's, that's why I record podcasts. Like it's, it's yeah. inspiring. It gets me fired up to keep doing what I do. So that's thank awesome. you for yeah, sharing with cool. us and, you know, just helping to make the athletic world a better place. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to you later guys. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please leave a rating and a review on the podcast, wherever you're listening to, to help us reach more people. So the more reviews and the more ratings we receive, the more that our podcast is going to get pushed out to the masses and reach people like you. So I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review uh, to just help spread our message. So thank you so much again for tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode.